Amen. Good morning. Welcome in to Lindsay Lane. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. As you're turning there, I want to just echo what Brother Bradley said. We are a generous church. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, your giving. I'm grateful for your contributions. Um, and specifically, I want to thank you for how you helped us with Christmas House. For those of you that are not familiar with Christmas House, maybe this is your first time today joining us just to go back. Um, it's just an effort that, that we do here at Lindsay Lane to work through the local school systems uh, to help families in need at Christmas. Um, and, and by the way, we all need a little help sometime. Somebody say amen to that. We all need a little help. And so we're glad to provide that help to our community. And um, we, we, uh, we did that this past Friday night. We welcomed in families from the community and we were able to uh, provide some Christmas cheer for Sunday morning for their families. But the more important thing is the gifts provide the hook. That's truly what it is. The gifts provide a way for us to have a conversation with each person in our community to tell them about the peace and the hope and the love that God gives through Jesus and the good news that sin can be forgiven and we can go to heaven and we can have salvation and know it. And so we were able to, to share that with the numbers, 67 families, 159 kids. Uh, we, we, our church was able to provide for that. So amen. Give, give God glory for that. Amen. <clears throat> and, um, and I want to thank you for, for giving and contributing to that because that's a big deal. It's one of our, our biggest evangelistic reaches into the community each year. And I want to tell you, we had one salvation decision from Friday night. So we give God glory for that. Yeah, amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm thankful to be a, a part of that. I'm thankful for those that would come and share their faith. I'm thankful for you that would contribute the gifts and the, the open door and the welcoming spirit. And, and it hit me just the other night after, after Christmas house, I go home and, and truly I close my eyes and I thought somebody tonight just went from death to life. Like their status, eternal status, had been changed by the good news of Jesus Christ that is still available for you today. The good news to know that you can be forgiven of your sin. You can have a different standing before God than what you feel you have right now. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that would, would put on a, a big effort to let people know that God is real and that he loves you and that he is working to redeem you from anything and everything that you've been through. And he wants to know you as his child. And so I'm so grateful for this church. I really am. I, I, I drove up, and some of you um, are, are for some of the changes we made. Some of you are not for the changes we made. That's all right. That's all right. That's the beauty of the church, because we can all get together and move forward. But I'm going to tell you, when I hit Lindsay Lane, I take a ride off of 72 coming from the house, and I hit Lindsay Lane, and I see our church every morning. I love this place. I love being here, and I hope you love it too, because we're going to work for the glory of God and the good of man together. Amen? Amen. Well, now I'm going to get to preaching. Now I'm going to get to preaching. In Genesis chapter 12, I know I've told you to turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 12, God had made a promise to Abraham. Now, on the front, a lot of times I give you some context about where we are and where we're going. Y'all, it's a responsibility of a Christian to be a, a person that has a working Bible knowledge. Y'all hear me? Somebody that, that loves the Word of God and wants to know it and wants to be able to share it with others. So if you'll pay attention right here real quick at the beginning, we're going to connect some Old Testament, New Testament dots so that we can all understand it a little better. But God in Genesis chapter 12, in the very beginning, God had made a promise to Abraham. And this was an everlasting promise, one of, of blessing. 
And as we think about how the Old Testament and New Testament connects, the blessing that God was giving through the person of Abraham was all the way down to me and you. All the way down to everybody that would hear the word today. Because this blessing, the Bible says, was for all the families on earth. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. This blessing that is Jesus who came through the lineage of Abraham would come into the world to save sinners. Come into the world to restore man's right standing with God. Through the blessing to Abraham would come the blessing to the world that is Jesus. But God's timing is often different than ours. God's timing is often different than what we want. A lot of times we're going to pray and ask God for something and his answer is not yes immediately. Sometimes it's not no immediately. Sometimes it's going to be you're going to have to wait it out because I know what I'm doing and you don't. And, and this is what's happening in Genesis chapter 18. Because in Genesis chapter 12, God had made an initial promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would be a blessing to the nations of the world. And through them would be provision and position to all the families on earth. But when you read in Genesis chapter 18, they still haven't had a son yet. How are they to be a blessing to the entire world when there is no lineage? And God calls Abraham and Sarah, he calls them the father and mother of nations. Well, right now in Genesis chapter 18, they're not the father and mother of anything. For they still don't have children. And in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham now is approximately 100 years old. Sarah is above the age of 90. And once again, God is going to visit with them and speak to them to reaffirm his promise that a child would carry forward the promised blessing. Now in Genesis chapter 17 and in Genesis chapter 18, the scriptures record where Abraham and Sarah literally laugh when the Lord told them that they would have a child at this time. They laughed at God. And not like a making fun of God, but like, we don't believe you, God, kind of laugh. A scoff. And you would be like, well, goodness, why in the world would they do that? Y'all, I just told you how old they were. Can, can, and, and I don't know that we have anybody that, that is at the age of 100. And here we might have a few that are getting close. But if the Lord told you, hey, oh, by the way, y'all going to have a son, you'd laugh too. I really think that we'd be in that, that position. So Abraham and Sarah have, have laughed truly in, in bewilderment or maybe even doubt. And then God's response to Sarah in verse 14 of chapter 18, and we're not going to be able to carry it through the whole way today in chapter 18 that far. But God told Sarah in verse 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for God? Let me tell you something. God can give life where there is no life. That's what he does. If there's no light and no life in your marriage, God can give light and life to your marriage. In your personal life, if you don't feel like there's any life left, you don't feel like there's any light in your life at all, but you may be seeking in all the wrong places because God is the author of light. In him, there's no darkness at all. So God can give you a new day because that's what God does. God raised people from the dead. God raised our souls separate from him and brought them back together in fellowship with him for true reconciliation. That is the business of God. Stop giving your loneliness to other folks. Stop giving your wandering and worries and doubt to other folks when it's God Almighty that can put things back together that you may never think could. God is the one that can make crooked paths straight. 
And so this is what he's telling Sarah as she's laughing like, God, I believe in you, but man, I don't know about this one. I'm 90 years old. Is anything too hard for God? Anything too hard? Listen, take this with you as a mini message. Just because the Lord doesn't deliver for you when you ask him doesn't mean that he can't. And, and just because our timing is off doesn't mean that God is, is not all-knowing. Don't doubt his power or his timing. Trust his will. Now, that's not what the message is all about today, but I really truly feel like with this many folks in here, somebody may need to hear that. Don't doubt his power or his timing. Trust his will. Now, in Genesis chapter 18, God has not only spoken to Abraham and Sarah to reaffirm his covenant, but he is, in fact, visiting with them. Truly, he is visiting with them. The Lord visits them in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. So let's read there together. Verse 1 says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Marm. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. And he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. Go ahead and read verse 3. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Now, let me pray for us before we move any further. Lord God, we thank you for putting us together as a church. Lord, I pray for each and every person that's coming today. Lord, I pray that they would may be made to feel welcome if they've not already. Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us, that gives us truth, what we need to hear in our life. Lord, we pray that you would protect us, but purpose us as a church for your glory. And God, that you would give us your truth for today. Help us to understand what you are speaking to our heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you can't skip past verses 1 and 2 and completely overlook the fact that God actually visited with Abraham and Sarah. The Bible says the Lord appeared. Now, there were two other men with him. And if you keep reading later towards Sodom and Gomorrah, you will know that those two other men were angels. And what does this teach us about God? That's a question that you should ask any time that you read the Bible on your own. What does this teach us about God? Well, it teaches us that according to his purpose, God makes himself known. He visited with them. He put himself in front of them the way that they would understand. Now, later in the New Testament... The culmination of all of this is God is going to reveal himself and make himself known with the arrival of Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. Now catch this. Fully God and fully man would Jesus arrive. For those of you that are thinking, why would Jesus, who we're going to speak of just in a second, why would he appear in Genesis chapter 18? Why would he not just appear at other places? Why would he not just appear in the New Testament? Why did Jesus come fully God and fully man to the New Testament? One, it's the fulfillment of prophecy according to God's word. And two, it's forgiveness of sins according to the system of sacrifice that God put in place. He is the Lamb of God, the perfect one, who shed real blood and lived a real life, but in all the power of God got up to give us real hope of eternal life. And so... This teaches us that God makes himself known. If you are searching for God today, seeking for God today, many times we seek him outside of the way that he has revealed himself. Your feelings will not tell you who God is. The word of God will tell you how to think about your feelings. 
So this is God revealing himself because there's an overarching promise to Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to do something bigger even than you. But here in Genesis chapter 18, what we've got as Jesus has stepped on the scene is a $5 word called theopony. Any of y'all use that word this week? Me neither. This is called a theopony. This is a manifestation of Jesus' presence on earth. And we conclude this in Jesus, that this is Jesus in the scriptures because the word of God tells us no one has ever seen God. That's what the Bible says. If you're wondering what God looks like, God in the totality of his essence is spirit. And the Bible says no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So when you look back in Genesis chapter 18 and you think there's God, the Lord, right in front of them, this is the pre-incarnate Christ. His existence before he takes on flesh as the God-man and the pre-incarnate Christ appearing in the Old Testament gives credibility to the New Testament. What in the world do you mean? Well, the Bible said that Jesus existed before everything else. And the scripture says that Jesus is the invisible image or he is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So if he shows up in Genesis chapter 18, it's well within his right because he has always been. God appeared this way in Genesis 18 for a purpose. And that overarching purpose is blessing. Now, I don't know if any of y'all came in here today wanting a blessing, but you should know that God's all about that. But sometimes we think blessing comes in the form of physical things or uh, things that we hope that, that will be for our life, that make our life better. But blessing, as I understand it in the Scripture, is God's purpose-filled provision and position for His glory and for the good of man. So the overarching purpose of, of Genesis chapter 18, where God is reaffirming His his covenant with Abraham, the reason that he has showed up is blessing. He is going to bless the world through Abraham. Abraham said, you told me that before. And God says, I'm just here to reaffirm it, brother. I'm just here to tell you that it's going to happen. And God made his presence known before Abraham to reaffirm this because ultimately this blessing would come through the person of Jesus. You see, sometimes we are seeking so much outside of what God says is the answer. You know what the bless, the biggest blessing over my life is? Is a Lord over my life. Someone that says, don't do that, and if you do, I'm going to discipline you. Someone that says, do this, because if you will, it'll keep you out of trouble. Everybody needs authority in their life. Come on. Well, God is so good that he has provided the ultimate authority that is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Y'all, that's the blessing that all of us need. Somebody saying, don't and go and do and do not. And this is the Lord Jesus. This is the blessing that is his authority. Oh, but it's the blessing that is his grace. Because anytime you make a list of don'ts and do's, you're going to have to run grace aside that list. And that's exactly what also Jesus does. Is his blood has covered our sins and our transgressions. So we need somebody telling us the do's and the don'ts, but we also have someone that's giving us grace for when we mess it up. And Jesus is the same. And that is the biggest blessing you could ever receive. So God is going to give that to the world for all who would receive it. This is why the Bible calls Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 21, the hope of all nations. 
not just the United States and not just a few that we would call our allies, but the hope of all nations, the forgiveness of all people, the eternal life of all people is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So if you are looking today for all kinds of stuff and you came to church hoping that you'd get a word, well, that word is Jesus. That is the word. So seek him with your heart and all your heart and seek him while he can be found. What else does this teach us about God as we look in Genesis chapter 18? Now, y'all think about this with me. For God to reaffirm his covenant promise with Abraham, when he didn't have to, he'd already told him before. But for God to do that is an indication of care. God cares about his purpose, but he also cares about two folks, Abraham and Sarah. How do I I know that? Have you ever told somebody, now all of y'all may just be totally perfect, but I know in my life I've seen somebody that said, hey, listen, I haven't forgotten you, and I want to let you know that, but it just hadn't come up yet, or it's just not time yet, or we're going to get to that. Anybody ever told you somebody that? I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. This is God's way of coming back to Abraham and Sarah, who are now 190 plus, and he said they would have a kid, and they're going like, we ain't going to have a kid. And God comes in and says, I hadn't forgot you. And I hadn't, got, I hadn't forgotten my purpose. This is the character of God. Y'all, we need to know the God that we sing about. We need to know the God that cares for us, that cares about his good godly purpose, but cares about the people that he works through to that purpose. But you can also notice the Lord's visit was not just about fulfilling the big picture. And this is beautiful right here. God is, is working to redeem man. But in this moment, and this visit with Abraham and Sarah, it was not just about that big overarching purpose. The scriptures say that Abraham says in verse 3, if it pleases you, as he's talking to the Lord, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of the tree while water is brought to you. Wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on in your journey. Now listen to the response of the Lord. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham says to God, if it pleases you and the angels to stop and rest and eat with us, would you please stay a while? And what did Jesus do? Exactly that. Well, he must have all kinds of things going on. you telling me that Jesus stopped and had a meal with Abraham? That's what the Bible says. It says that he stopped and he had fellowship with him. This is a picture of divine fellowship with humanity. Yes. Now think about what all was on the line. Creation had fallen, meaning creation had sinned against God, and it was infiltrating the whole world. And God was working on judgment, but he was also working on redemption. But here is the evidence of relationship relationship of God sitting down during the commonplace periods of the life of coming in somebody asking him to dinner and he said I'll be there I'll sit down with you church in the church age as God is now with us the spirit of God dwelling in our hearts I think we ought to slow down and take a lunch with him I think we ought to slow down and seek him and see what he's got to say to spend some time in prayer, to let God be Lord of our life and pull out the weeds of our life's garden and speak to us about what needs to be there to replace it because he is on record for accepting an invitation. 
Abraham said, would you come and please let me honor you as my honored guest and let me prepare a meal for you. And when he said, let me prepare a meal for you, he really meant Sarah because he couldn't cook. And so we had, a, we had a couple walk in this morning. He was carrying the muffins. And I said, you spend all night making those? He said, man, you know this. You already made these. I said, that's fine. So, so Abraham said, please let me share a meal with you. Sarah's probably back there going, I knew he was going to do that. I'll make it. You know, like, that's what you always do. I, I, and so they had prepared this food for them. And this is this commonplace period of life where he wanted to just have fellowship time with God. And God said, I'll do it. Y'all remember that as we think about who God is in this big picture, that the Bible calls those who have believed friends of God. We're called the friends of God. The Bible says that he is our heavenly father. That is the best parent in the world. The Bible says that God is our friend, that he is our wonderful counselor. Abraham said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. And it pleased him to do that. Know today this. God desires relationship, not a decision. Yes, a decision, but that's not the whole thing. Yes, a time in your life when you look back to, I need to turn from my sin and turn to God. But that's where the relationship begins because now you are restored and reconciled to God for relationship. And it's within the relationship that we begin to do all those things that we want to do for the glory of God. It's the relationship part that we see here in Genesis chapter 18. So know that God will listen. If you are a Christian and you've messed up again and again and again, know that God will listen. He's not surprised by anything that you bring to him in confession. Confession is just agreeing with him with what he already knows. God listens. He will help you. He will answer you. He will counsel you. Yes, he will fulfill a great purpose through you. But it'll also just visit with you. Does not the scripture say, come close to God and God will come close to you? In James chapter 4 verse 8. Does not the Bible say in Psalm 34, 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help? This is who God is. You may think God is out to get you. God's out to save you and help you and turn you from yourself and turn you towards his presence and authority. This is the Lord visiting. And thanks be to God for his revelation in his presence with us. Now, the second part of today is all about how the servant serves. Let's read together verses 3 through 8. Genesis 18, 3 through 8. My Lord, if it pleases you, stop here for a while and rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. Now, some of y'all are getting nervous because you think about to have a foot washing service with your bottle of water and y'all have already drank it. <laughs> We're not. Water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake it some bread. And then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf. And gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat. And he served it to the men. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is your Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent. Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, will have a son. There's the overarching promise. 
and there's the intimate fellowship relationship. Notice the service of the servant. Now, it's debated as to whether or not Abraham actually knew the Lord when he showed up. And some say that he knew him exactly when he showed on the scene. And some say that he didn't really understand it till a little bit later. And we're going to look at both of those angles. But what we do know is that later in Genesis chapter 18, as Jesus was reporting on the coming judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, that Abraham knew who he was talking to because he addressed him judge of all the earth. So whether he knew Jesus on the front or whether he knew him as he was speaking to God and later on in Genesis chapter 18, we do know at some point Abraham recognized the Lord. And it's important to note how he responded to the Lord's presence as a servant. Hospitality is what we're going to finish this with. Now, Eastern culture during this time was extremely hospitable. In fact, I've read that in, in that day, a stranger could not go through the country without somebody opening his home and entertaining him, a stranger. This goes completely against our culture now. Completely against. How so? Now, we have video surveillance systems to evaluate you at the door. <laughs> some of y'all are laughing, some of y'all are like, we got one. <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm not going to lie to y'all. We don't have one of those, but there have been times where I looked out there and I went, oh, my word. And I'm like, I like slumped down in the couch like this right here. I know none of y'all do that because y'all got ring. So, uh, but then we evaluate them as they've made their way to the door and, and then we video call them through the system or we just totally ignore them altogether. This is complete. What we've just read in the scripture of, of Abraham looking up at the, at the corner of his tent and seeing strangers and how he welcomes them. Now, granted, now there's a couple things here that affect our culture and why we do that. Every other stranger in the Old Testament wasn't a solicitor, I don't think. Which is, you think about our culture now. There have been times in, in this, the life of Lindsay Lane, there have been times in the life of Lindsay Lane East when we would go out and met at the door with a sign that says no solicitation. And sometimes I, I get it. And then sometimes, you know what I think? When you come onto my property, I got you. Which means I can tell you anything I want to tell you. We can sit down and I can talk to you for as long as I want to talk to you. Some of the best conversations that you can have spiritually are on your home field turf. Just keep that in mind. So, every other stranger in the day wasn't a solicitor, but also here's another part that affects our culture. We are heightened to possible threats because of mass media. It's true. It's the way it is. We look on the screen. We some, see something that bad that it happened to one person out of 8 million, and we think it's going to happen to us. The next thing you know, people are buying these things. One video of a random stranger is shared across a sea of people in a matter of minutes. We're all scared. We shut it down, lock it down, get fences, close the door. That really is how it is. So what I'm not telling you it's right or it's wrong. I, what I'm saying is, is, is that this goes completely against what we see as Abraham welcoming honored guests. Still, as we've heard all of that, I want you to hear Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, you're going to hear that a lot in the next few minutes. Always be eager 
to practice hospitality. Now, this is spoken in the background of God's people, because you read the part with me, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. So you think to yourself, man, if I see you coming up to my door, I'll help you out. When God's people are in need, I'll help them. But the next part says, always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, here's why you study your Bible, because always be eager to practice hospitality is not only connected to God's people, because what that word means is to pursue the love of strangers. Always be ready to pursue or entertain the love of strangers. As I've studied it in the New Testament, hospitality was a great contributor to the spread of Christianity. Hospitality. You're welcome here. Glad to see you. My name is. What is your name? All of those things in the New Testament was essential to sharing the good news. Y'all, it's still essential today. So help God's people, yes, but also pursue the love of strangers. Listen to what I'm telling you today. The instruction is not for us to simply hang out with our family and friends all the time. I know I wouldn't get any amens on that. Y'all, anybody can do that. That's what everybody does. So when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Think of our Savior and Lord. Jesus engaged the woman at the well. Jesus went home with Zacchaeus. Jesus took, took a dinner with the Pharisee who brought him there because he was going to question him. Like, Jesus was, was that spending time with those who needed what he had. Now, let me ask you us a few questions within this fellowship. And y'all, this is not about growing a church, even though hospitality will help grow a church. This is about being Christians. So let's ask a few questions. Long time Lindsay Lane folks. And not just long time Lindsay Lane, but long time church people. People that have been Christians a long time, and you've been in church a long time. When in this fellowship is the last time that you've gotten to know someone to the point where you invited them to share a meal with you? When's the last time you've had somebody over or you've taken somebody out that you don't know and that you know needs what you have to share a meal with you? Be encouraged to invite people? Absolutely be encouraged to invite people. But what about another step of hospitality? What about sitting down and eating with them? What about uh, going in their home or welcoming people into your home? Because the Bible says, always be eager to practice hospitality. To entertain the love of strangers. Well, we're too busy. Well, if you're too busy, you're too busy. Well, and some people would never admit this, but we got it like we like it. We like the way that we come in. We like the relationships that we've made. We want people to make it in, but we're really not providing a way for them. Well, good for you, but what about them? There are people that still visit this church every week that have a need in their life looking for some way to get in. You are it. The leaders, the pastors, the staff cannot do that all, don't know the needs of it all. You are the way in for those that may be sitting in your section, some that may be sitting in your very pew. Brittany and I were visiting with a group this morning who shared testimony of how a neighbor invited. That was her way into ministry. She met somebody else this morning that was going through some of the similar things that her family's been through. Are you anybody's way into this place? When's the last time it's been through you that somebody has come into the fellowship of God? Are your neighbors welcome in your home? 
Are your, do you know who your neighbors are? Your house can be a home field advantage. If you are desiring to communicate from your heart salvation that you hope your neighbors bust heaven wide open, how are you going to do that? Are they welcome in your home? The first step, listen to this. Here's just some things I read this week. First step in December, take them some Christmas cookies. Don't laugh at that. Take them. Make them, bake them, take them. We could probably put that on something before you leave. Take them hot chocolate. I read this one. Create a dinner on us gift basket. And this makes the way for hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. In the summer, we had neighborhood cookouts. Neighborhood cookouts, which is basically just open up your backyard or your home and just have a meal and get to know people. And, and for some of us, we hear that and we're like, that's a good idea. And for some of us, we just tune it out because we don't want to hear it because we ain't going to do it. But if you, if you trust that I am leading on behalf of the Lord Jesus based on the word of God, I see loving your neighbor in here. That's just an effort for us to do it. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Does your disposition when you enter the sanctuary say things like this? Sure, you can sit here. Or does your face say, seat's taken? Or in Forrest Gump language, seat's taken. Y'all remember that one? Can't sit here, I think is what she said. That's a bad... I have a country accent already. Probably should have just went with that. But seriously, does your, does your disposition say, man, come on, y'all sit down? Or does it say, I don't look at them. If I look at them, I have to talk to them. And it makes me really nervous. I read this this week. And you got to think about in that moment, are you glad when people make you feel welcome? I read the following this week from a pastor. He said, when you hear one of these, when you hear I'm not in church, it's not going well, I'm not prepared for this, to those that would say that, come say, come sit with me. Come sit with me. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, I've done that and I've been rejected before. Well, that's all right. All I can tell you is no. And some of them may tell you no. You can get over it. Are you really nervous after being hospitable by yourself? I just don't want to do this by myself. Well, take somebody with you. Ask somebody in here, say, let's do this together. Let's take them out to lunch. But I don't want to do it myself because I'm not a talker. But I can do this. Will you come with me? Some of us think, yeah, but we got all these kids. We got all these kids. Hey, here's a novel idea. Take them kids with you. Y'all laugh. I'm not kidding. Take them with you. Sit them down. Make them hush. Let them see your hospitality. Let them see you trying to have a conversation that matters outside of ball and work and school, but that you are intentionally reaching to somebody that you don't need, but that needs you. Take them kids with you. Now, y'all, I'm with you sometimes. I'm like, man, let's have child care, but sometimes we can't take them to child care every time. Let them see your light. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Well, we always eat Sunday dinner with our family. Well, take a Sunday off. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And y'all, we've got to put aside the temptation to be hospitable towards only those that can benefit us. Approach it as we can help meet your need. You see, what we learn from the passage that we've read, we read the scripture in Romans chapter 12, 
But what we read from Genesis chapter 18 is that ministry to the Lord and ministry to people go hand in hand. Regardless of whether or not he knew that that was the Lord or if he was just treating people right, we have a biblical example of hospitality and a biblical example of service to people. I want you to take two encouragements or challenges for Abraham and Sarah's hospitality. Number one is take position. Take position. The first thing we see of Abraham before he serves in his position is this. He ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. He bowed low to the ground. Running out and bowing low was a cultural practice of the East from one who considered himself subordinate to another. Eastern culture or divine recognition, whichever you see, to bow before another is surely not a sign of pride or humility. Only when we humble ourselves do we take a position to serve others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 preaches this to us. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Y'all, you know, one of the reasons we don't practice hospitality is because we don't see anybody above us. That's right. Now, it may not be that we see people below us. We may not see anybody as below us. But we see everybody kind of on the same plane. But what God is telling us this morning in the principles of his word, we need to start seeing people as above us, as honored guests, considerate of their presence and their needs. Take position. Secondly, is to provide service. We'll expand upon this and close it out. He brought water. Did you notice that? That's why you have a water today. He brought water. Rest in the shade of the tree while water is brought to wash your feet. Now, it was brought for y'all to drink, not for you to wash your feet with, because we got socks and shoes and showers, and we don't walk everywhere barefooted. In this time in the Eastern world, people walk miles in sandals with bare feet, and this was the hottest part of the day, and nobody at that time had on clouds. So, or New Balance or Nike, y'all didn't pick that up, like any tennis shoes. Nobody... Some of y'all need to evaluate your Christmas list. So nobody at this time had those shoes or had those comforts. Do y'all remember playing in the yard barefoot as a kid? Remember that? Man, I hope you do. We did play in the yard as a kid, and, and we would not put shoes on. I remember my dad telling me when he was a kid, he's like, son, there was a time when I could run across gravel and barefoot and it never bothered me at all. And I was like, that's weird, you know, because I was thinking, just put your shoes on, right? And, and then the older I got, I was like, I'm going to do that too. I literally challenged myself to run across gravel and be okay with it as I was a kid. And that's weird. So, but, but think about those times when, when, you, when you were playing in the yard with bare feet and you played all day long and sometimes you would get nicks and cuts and scrapes and you'd come in and your feet would be all dirty because of the ground that you played on and your mama or daddy or your guardian, grandmama, granddaddy, whoever that was for you said, don't come in this house until you wash your feet. And then you take a water hose and you turn that hose on and you spray it down on your feet in the relief that comes instantly. Remember that feeling? Just get that feeling for a second. Well, this is what Abraham wanted his honored guest to have, relief, relief. Y'all, sometimes it's, it's not the physical relief that people need so much as they need relief. They need comfort. They need to know somebody cares. They need to have somebody sit and just listen with them to the glory of God and the good of man. 
People need an arm around them appropriately, obviously, but people need an arm around them. They need somebody just to show them that they love them. So the first act of service from Abraham to the honored guest is to provide this relief. I'd encourage us all this Christmas season to do like Abraham because the Bible says he looked up and noticed in verse 2. He looked up and noticed. He got his eyes up from away from his tent and everything that was going on and he saw the need of a stranger that was approaching. He looked up and noticed. And everybody that comes in here and everybody that's in front of our path out there has some kind of journey, some kind of pain, some kind of brokenness, but we'll never know what it is if we don't look for some people are tired and they're hurting and hungry and thirsty and their soul is thirsty for what only God can give them and we are the agents of God yet if we don't look up we'll never see him I love to read the following from Isaiah chapter 41 verses 17 and 18 when the poor and needy search for water and there is none and their tongues are parched from thirst then I the Lord will answer them I the God of Israel will never abandon them This is the character of the God that we just sang to. The character of God that we received our forgiveness and own salvation from. This is the character of our God who would see people and need and meet needs for His glory and never giving up the truth. But for the purpose of those that would know that who He is. Somewhere I read in the Scripture that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Somewhere I read that we are to be His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works not unto salvation, but because of it, and for somebody else's. So they brought water and they prepared food. The water was to relieve them. The food was to refresh them. 18.5, the last half of that verse says, Let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. Together, Abraham and Sarah cooked a meal for the Lord. But y'all listen to me. They didn't just mail it in. They didn't just mail it in. They made comfort food. Any of y'all watch the Food Network? (laughs) Some of y'all thinking about comfort food already. Y'all ready to go here and you know exactly where you're going? Seriously, the King James Version of this says, I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort your hearts. I will refresh you. Abraham and Sarah considered these within their opportunity to make welcome Better than themselves, as the scripture says. Abraham said to Sarah, hurry up and get three large measures of your best flour. Did you catch that? Oh, no, 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 not not the stuff that comes from the knockoffs, (laughs) the name brand stuff. Get that out and give three large measures of your best flour. And then Abraham chose a tender calf. Not the one that was rough and like three legs and nobody wanted him, you know? Like he went out there. (laughs) That's not in my notes. Sometimes I need to stick to the notes. (laughs) But the Bible says he chose a tender calf. The King James Version says words like fine and tender and good. What I'm saying to you is that when Abraham and Sarah were serving the Lord and serving people... They didn't give him peanut butter jelly sandwiches on a paper plate because they could do better. When it's within your means to do better and we give them leftovers, that's not ideal for the Lord and not for honored guests. How many of you are preparing Christmas dinners this season and to your family you are going to serve leftovers? 
None of y'all. Why? Because it is part of that we can do better, but we want them to feel special. We want them to feel honored, to know that they are loved. So when we're serving the Lord, we bring our best. When we're serving people, we bring our best. If you are going to serve leftovers for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving's already been had, way late for that. If you're going to serve leftovers at Christmas dinner, I I really feel like you should check yourself because it's not going to make them feel great unless that's all you have to give. Now, if that's all you have to give, then God bless it. But you want the heart of your guest to be full because they're honored. And so what do you do? You get out the good plates and the fine china and you clean the house. I remember when my, my, my granddaddy was living and he had a birthday at Christmas time and And we would get together with them every beginning of December. And when we did that, my mother would get out the Christmas plates. Y'all got Christmas plates? Y'all know the ones I'm talking about. They stay up for 360 days of the year. And you bring them out for five. Why? Because it's special. You want them to know that we brought out the Christmas ware for you. So you've got to apply this to how you're serving the Lord now. If you're serving the Lord now, or if we even notice people at all. Because the challenge from this passage as it relates to hospitality is this. Don't serve leftovers to the Lord or His people or the people that He would have us reach. We had a child saved recently in this ministry, Lindsay Lane. Did you know that that child that was saved recently was saved after speaking to one of our Sunday school group leaders? That group leader prays and prepares every single week for moments like this. He don't Google a Sunday school lesson or put it together a few minutes before. He takes time and he sees God's ministry as those he influences as important. And he treats his preparation serious. It ain't leftovers kind of service. I watched a respite care leader not too long ago, show up, beat me here to the building. I was going to lock it for her to get in. When I showed up, all I can tell you was this. She showed up with boxes of her best. This lady on her own had prepared like five, six, seven boxes to, to plan a day out so that families and, and children and parents who were often forgotten would feel special on that day. She ain't mailing it in. It ain't no leftovers. We're here to make you feel like you belong here. Like you are a person that God has created and that he values. I stood before one of our beloved senior adults. A widow who at the time she was, she was sitting in a hospital chair. And while I was there talking with her, she told me that a short time ago she felt an overwhelming need to serve. This is one of our senior adult widows who the Bible says we are to serve her. Pure religion in the sight of God. Amen. She told me on that day, I got to this place in my life when my husband died where the Lord woke up my heart and said to me this, you haven't done anything for the Lord in a while. Did y'all hear me? A senior adult widow on her heart told me, I felt like I haven't done anything for the Lord in a while. It ain't leftovers. It ain't mailing it in. We serve God Almighty. And this is our calling, to treat others with hospitality as we would welcome Him so that others may have the greatest opportunity to receive the message we got. How many of you used to sing the song, Give of Your Best to the Master? Just us, I guess. 
Give of your best to the master. You see, ministry for the master is the goal. The Bible says work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. If you're working for people, that'll put you down quick. Because people can be tough to deal with. Some of you that work in the public service industries, some of you that are in education, I mean, you know, if you're serving for people for the sake of people, it can be done quickly because you'll get tired of it. But if we work willingly at whatever we do as though we were working for the Lord, the Lord is never going to treat us wrong. The Lord is never going to cast us out. The Lord is never going to be unfaithful. So there's a reason to serve people because he's good, not because they are. Remember, the Bible says that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving, the Bible says, is Christ. This Christmas... Receive the gift of relationship and give the gift of hospitality. Honor the presence of the Lord by taking advantage of his opportunity for fellowship with him. Overarching purpose, for sure. But he'll take a visit with you daily. And honor the presence of others by humbling ourselves and providing Christian service. Together for the glory of God and the good of man. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to invite you to join our church today. If you've never belonged to a church, let us answer some of your questions. If you've got questions about joining, but you'd like to have that conversation, we would love for you to be a part of our fellowship as a member here. We'll tell you all about what that means. Maybe today you're thinking to yourself, I heard you on the beginning of the service. I've got things going on in my life I need answers to, and I need God to help me. God has revealed himself to us through the word that is the Bible and through the person of Jesus Christ. And I know in my heart God wants to help you and save you. If you need to be baptized, if you've got other questions, if we're here to help you today. And I know we've got things going on the rest of the day, but that's why we're here right now. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that your spirit would make it plain to us who and what we need. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bring us to a place of decision a place of devotion. And Lord, as we open up this altar for people who just need to pray, I pray, oh God, that even as they make their way to a bowing position before you, Lord, even as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, Lord, that we would know your character, that you care for us, that you have an overwhelming purpose, but that you would use us within that purpose and minister to us within that purpose. Lord, there are people that are beside us that, that need a welcome handshake or a smile before they leave. And I just pray, oh God, we'd be the church that you have in mind. Lord, I pray that we would look up and see others. And God, that you would give us the energy and the strength to be hospitable and to work for you because you are so good and faithful to us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This altar is open for you today.